Welcome to a very special Hillbilly and the Hipster. Can you believe it? It is our one year anniversary of the our journey together on this podcast. And I am I'm very excited to be with you here today celebrating this milestone. And I am Chad McCool. And joining with me, as always, is my brother from another mother, Andy Crow. But before we dive into today's episode, I could speak for Andy and just say we want to thank you. We want to take a moment, actually, to not just to thank you, but to express our heartfelt gratitude for you. Yes, you, our dear listeners, because you are really, you've become the heartbeat of this podcast. Andy and I talked about this probably for two to three years before we kicked it off. And I want to just say that your messages, the emails, the the comments of encouragement, the tweets, they brighten our days and they've reaffirmed um, why we decided to do this. They've reaffirmed our mission, even through uh, those tire fire episodes. So thank you for being a part of this journey. We are blessed to have you on board and we're excited yeah. to see where this next year takes us. So let's celebrate this past year. Let's embrace the present and let's step mm -hmm. into the future with unwavering faith and hope. And we do have a special guest today. Well, before Andy. you do that, and let me be clear, just to reiterate what you've said, but let me be clear. There will be more tire fires. <laughs> just, just be ready because they're coming. I I, I want to say that I, I thought that somewhere when I was a kid in Pennsylvania, there was like an underground tire fire that was smoldering, smoldering. Is that the word smoldering? smoldering? It was on fire in perpetuity. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know. Oh, that sounds like a very Pennsylvania thing. That's what we are. We're always on fire. Sandy, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. We uh, just got home from football practice a little little bit ago. Uh, my oldest got his his pads and his helmet and his pants, and I believe I sent you the pictures. He's he is all kinds of excited and ready to hit something. Um, I just hope he has that same energy when something hits him. That is the he's, um, he's a little timid. He's a in 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 general terms, he he's a lover, not a fighter. It is the sweet uh, and sour of football. It's great to hit, and then when you get hit, you're like, I don't like this anymore. Yeah, man. When he told me he wanted to play football, it it broke my heart because we very much are a baseball family. And uh, but I was like, hey, you know, if that's what y'all want to do, we'll give it a try. And so I'm just I'm holding my breath and waiting for that first hit. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember my first hit. I was like, I don't think I like this anymore. Yeah, I, I only played a year or two. Um, part of that was because football just wasn't my jam. Um, the other part is my mom was like, hey, you'll get hurt. I don't want you to get hurt. And so I joined the marching band. I blew out my knee in marching band. So it's a good call, mom. Great, <laughs> great call. I remember when, uh, way back, uh, you know, growing up in the New York area, Lawrence Taylor had a TV show, like on Saturday afternoons, and he had this huge bar um, in East Rutherford, New Jersey, outside of Giant Stadium called LTs. And so this is, you know, he, he was a character onto himself, despite all his troubles and everything like that. And he had Keith Hernandez on, and it was towards the end of Keith's career, and Keith had broke his knee, and... Uh, Lawrence Taylor's asking, well, how the heck do you break your knee playing baseball? And Keith, without blinking an eye, just looked at him and was like, well, we're not wearing all those pads like you guys are. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a burn on an epic scale from a baseball player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Keith was sharp, man. He uh, he did not miss a beat. So, Andy, speaking about, speaking about not missing a beat, why don't you tell us about uh, the – Fine, folks, at St. Gagano's Armory because um, they, they've they been alongside us, you know, for a good portion of this year. And um, Lord knows they're, they're not using a tire fire to light those forges. I know that. No, not at all. St. Gagano Armory is the premier destination for handcrafted blacksmith merchandise. They use traditional techniques to create unique and stunning pieces, each one embedded with the spirit of St. Gagano himself. They're really a work of art. St. Gagano's Armory believes that quality and authenticity are paramount, and that's why they use the finest materials, 
and take so much pride in the commitment to traditional craftsmanship. Products are not only beautiful, but they're functional. A portion of all sales goes to a nonprofit that changes quarterly, uh, but a portion of all those sales, again, goes right back into the community, which, which is something we can get excited about. So that begs the question, why settle for generic mass-produced items when you can own something hand-forged and unique and help the community in the process? So as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, head on over to etsy.com slash shop slash St. Galgano Armory, browser selection of handcrafted blacksmith merchandise. And don't forget to check them out on social media, on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it, on Instagram at at St. Galgano. And I'm telling you, the reform to me still is, I think, if if it's going to be X, that since we we produce tweets on Twitter that they have, we have to exegete on X. I love you. I love you. It's so a lot much. of it's a lot of exegesis. That's I can't make that joke. Yep, that's a good one. We'll just keep well, Andy. Andy's right been a, it's been a year. Happy birthday to the show. We've done this for a year. Uh, April four, April August fourth. One of those eight months. August fourth, twenty. You had a fifty-fifty shot. <laughs> August fourth, twenty twenty-two is when we released our first episode. Um, and so yeah, it's been like I said uh, in, in my in the opening. I think we we talked about this. We threatened to do this for quite a while when we were side by side, and it didn't. It took us being a thousand miles apart to. Uh, <laughs> finally get this together i don't know that we could have handled doing this in the same area for an extended period of time Um, i somehow think we'd still have done this well yeah because dr wife would have would have followed through with the stabbing (laughs) if if we were together this much all the time (laughs) that have been recorded evidence but i i do think i don't i i know that in the next year of episodes we will have um maybe not i don't want to say a live episode that seems like we'd have an audience but we will have an we will we will have at least a a few episodes recorded um person to person recorded in real life yes side by side maybe we could do it in a side by side in the woods look i know enough people around here i can make that happen (laughs) i could too just not in your state we'd have to go somewhere else but Andy, we do have a special guest today. I do enjoy for, special guests for our first anniversary episode, and our special guest uh, is a pastor um, who also serves um, in a in a role as a probation officer. I feel like I know this guy, Andy. Our special guest is you, Pastor you know, Paul Crow. You know, I have been told on numerous times that I am special. No, but I did think that would take a time, uh, take this time uh, to get to know you. Um, so I think the first question, because this is still a, uh, you know, it's a it's a a Christian podcast, right? We do take a look at culture from a fifty thousand foot view with a, a Christian lens. So, uh, Andy, when did you get to know Jesus? Man, that's uh, let's take a stroll, shall we? Um. Let's see. In sixth grade, whatever year that was, 1999, maybe uh, 98, 99 was my sixth grade year. Uh, my family, my extended family, um, I called them my weekend parents, uh, my aunt and uncle, my mom's sister and, and brother-in-law. Um, I would go to their house every weekend uh, for a multitude of reasons, one of which is I just I didn't want to be home. You know, me and my stepdad didn't get along great. Uh, There was issues there. And so I'd look for ways to get out of the house. And uh, so I'd go stay the night with my aunt and uncle uh, every weekend. If they were going on vacation, I went on vacation with them. I was like their third child. Um, And so they started attending church. And I thought, well, I'll just start going too. And then it hit me, man, if I go on Sunday nights to youth group and, and, or Sunday night Bible study. Um, if I do that, I don't have to go home on Sunday. That's an extra night that I can stay. 
Uh, and so I started, you know, started going every Sunday, every Sunday night and listening and, and things started clicking. Um, and I think that is officially like the first, you know, when I accepted Christ, uh, I realized Christ was calling me. Uh, but I definitely didn't take it serious, you know, from sixth grade on up. Um, and then probably my sophomore year of high school, um, I started attending a small church with my great grandmother. Um, and I, and it hit me then. Um, so I was the, the backup to the music minister. So if he wasn't there, I would, I would do it. Uh, my first sermon that I preached at 16 years old or 17, I don't remember exactly which, but my first sermon, um, that I preached was at this, this little hillbilly church, if you will, up the road, uh, clear run Baptist church in Hartford, Kentucky, um, and it was there I realized, like, man, I am not, I'm not taking this serious. And so I was teaching a VBS class of of third and fourth graders when it hit me, like, I, I'm presenting the gospel to these kids, and then it hit me, like, I'm actually presenting that gospel to myself. And so during snack time, I went to the pastor, and I was like, bro, like, I am, I am not doing what I need to be doing, and I am you know, I don't know that I was ever actually saved. Um, I think I was just living a part because I would, you know, live the part on Sunday and then go get high with my friends, um, you know, short after church. Uh, and so I think it was at that point and I couldn't tell you the date. Um, you know, a lot of people like, I remember the day like it was yesterday. It was, you know, Tuesday morning, December 1st at 7.03 in my bathroom. Like I can't, I can't tell you the day or time, uh, but I can, I can tell you the moment, right. That, that it hit me and that was it. And so I haven't, I haven't turned back since. So I've not always been the strongest in my walk, but you know, I've always been knocked back on track, thankfully. Amen. Well, and I think that's the case for a lot of us, right? It's a, there's a little old lady that I knew in the Drew's Landing Baptist Church in Shepherd, Texas, where I served as a youth pastor. And she used to say, uh, sanctification is a journey, not a race. So stop sprinting, boy. <laughs> well, and if you, <laughs> I ain't sprinting anywhere. Let's be honest <laughs> with you. So how'd you find yourself serving in ministry after that VBS thing? How'd you, how'd you, how'd you find yourself serving as a pastor? And I think the, the natural path for guys around our age even though I'm a little bit older than you is how'd you begin serving as a youth pastor? Cause that seems to always be the uh, first thing they stick you in. Yeah. So we lived in Iowa um, for a few years. Um, and while we were there, I, you know, I volunteered cause I, I never wanted to be stationary in church. Um, I always wanted to be active. I always want to be involved. I wanted to get to know people. Um, and so uh, I was at a Wednesday night Bible study and we were kicking off a WANA um, and this little old lady was like, Hey, they're having a meeting after this for Awana volunteers. You're, you're going to volunteer for Awana. And I said, well, between school and then I work a full-time job. I don't, I don't know that I can do that, but I'll think about it. And she said, Oh honey, there's no thinking you're, you're staying. So you didn't ask the question I asked since I didn't grow up in church at all. My question was what the heck is Awana? No, that was question number, you know, I, I questioned that when I went to the meeting. But so, you know, I got plugged in with Awana and then from being an Awana leader that led to, hey, you're going to run VBS to, hey, I'm going to outsource the nursery to my wife. Um, and so then Dr. Wife started running the nursery. Um, and then we moved to Terre Haute. Um and, and again, you know, the church that we were at, uh, I told them that I wasn't saved to sit on a bench. I was saved to serve. Um, and from then on, uh, uh, there was some issues at that church with the, the youth pastor that was there, uh, some legal and not so good issues that we're not going to talk about right now. Um, but they needed somebody to fill in pretty quick. Um and again, I was voluntold, like, hey, we know God has this calling on your life. You're just going to do it. And you're like, say what? 
And I said, well, if he's calling, my phone's not ringing. And that has been my testimony for years. If he's calling, my phone isn't ringing. He's calling the wrong number. And so I, you know, I became children's pastor, uh, youth minister. And finally, um, in 2000, oh, Lord, 2019, maybe. I'd have to check my ordination certificate. Uh, uh, it's 18 or 19 because I was there. Yeah. So the year before I was ordained, um, we had an interim pastor. And and most people don't understand this, Joe. Um, but me and, and a few of the volunteers in the youth group, we called him our real pastor, Bob Weeks. Um, and if you know Bob Weeks, which 90% of the people that listen to this probably don't. Um, but Bob Weeks is a dude, okay? Like, his testimony is phenomenal, and he is the most loving, caring man I think I've ever met. And so uh, he was interrupting, and me and him got to be friends. Uh, and so one Sunday after church, Dr. Wife and I invited him to the house um, for lunch, and he shows up, and we're eating, and we're having a good time. And then all of a sudden, it's like the air just sucked out of the room. And he said, Andy, we need to have a talk. And now, I you know, I don't know if you're like I am, but when somebody says your name, comma, we need to have a talk, nothing good comes after that. No, particularly when you're you're sitting under their authority. Well, I didn't even go that far. I just knew that, like, if my grandmother said, Andy, sit down, we need to talk, I knew that I wasn't going to be sitting long, and that it would hurt to sit after the conversation was over. Um, and so I just kind of looked at him and I was terrified. And he said, Andy, I, I, I've been to this church countless times and I have served here for four or five months. Um, and he goes, and I often just stand back and watch how people come in the room. And he goes, and I've noticed that there's this big guy at the church that every time he walks into the room, people gravitate towards him. And it's like, he's the life of the party. He's, he's always loving on somebody. Um, and he was talking about me, if you're not, you know, if you're not gathering that. And so I looked at him and I was like, well, Bob, people gravitate towards me because I have my own gravitational pull. Like I'm a big dude. And he goes, just shut up and listen. And I was like, maybe I will, Bob. Maybe Bob's I will. not exactly a small dude. If you, you know, he, Bob's a pretty tall guy. Oh no, Bob, Bob, Bob's thick. Um, but he, and then he looks at me and he was like, you're called to be more than just a youth minister. And I said, yeah, uh, maybe not. And he said, no, no. He goes, you're going to be a pastor um, and or a church planner. And I said, Bob, this is where I'm going to need your wife to make sure you're taking your medicine. Because I haven't felt that calling since, you know, high school. And he said, well, God's calling you. And then my famous line, like, if God's calling, he's dialing the wrong phone number. And he said, here's what, you, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray about this together over the next however many days, weeks, and months, he said. And then uh, the next thing I know, uh, he's no longer our interim pastor. Uh, God calls another man to, to be full-time pastor at that church. Uh, about that time, me and you met, um, and I kind of shared my vision with you and my my calling and whatnot, uh, and then the next thing I know, I'm being ordained and then hired full-time by another church uh, to start and lead their kids in youth programs, as well as some adult and college stuff. So that that is my journey in the, the pastorate world, if you will, I have gone from being a, an Awana volunteer to a, you know, a non-vocational pastor uh, where, you know, bivoke, but I wasn't getting paid to full-time to us being called out of Terre Haute and now just almost serving as a pastor to the pastors uh, of the church that we're at and just serving in lay roles that, that need someone to serve in. Well, and that's a good role because pastors need pastors, but 
um, for some inside baseball and to see if Andy remembers where that that first true meeting ever took place where we connected. Do you remember where that was? So are you talking the first time we actually met or our first meeting? No, the first real connection that we had. We had breakfast at this little mom and pop diner. It's um, not there, though. I think that the true connection happened in the parking lot of the Boys and Girls Club in Terre Haute. That happened three weeks later, sir. Oh, Check I guess I messed up the dates. <laughs> Check your calendar, buddy. Because we had we had that meeting. And then shortly after that, the the school board decided they want to do this year of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had that, we, that initial that initial breakfast to to feel each other out and make sure oh, that we weren't true. psychos. I, um, that's and true. then and then a few weeks later we were we ran into each other and we actually sat at the same table. Um and I think, if I'm not mistaken, spent a good amount of time making fun of Tim Ramsier. Um whom I love, by the way. Oh, um, me, also, me too. also love to point out that Timmy, who is a friend of the show. Um, he was Moses's youth pastor. Actually, think he was there when Moses, like they found him floating down the river. Um, so you know, I like to joke and ask how how it was you know with Moses and his youth group. Um, but I digress. But, uh, but so we we made fun of him, and then I think the meeting itself was an hour, and then we spent another hour and a half to two hours in the parking lot. Right where we where we definitely connected because we were both enthralled with the. 30 something the, the, Catholic priest yes. in cowboy boots driving the Tacoma. The, the hillbilly who, priest who I became, to, who, who I hung out with a couple of times, but that's we need to have him episode. on the show. That's who we need to find to have on the show. We do good. Night. I Go forgot ahead. about him. Ah, what, so, okay, so there's your, your journey into ministry. Um, what about a little bit about your journey? into being a probation officer. I mean, I know it's not as exciting in the beginning, but I think you, you've you embraced that role once you re- received that job. But what's your journey into becoming a probation officer? So when Dr. Wife and I left for Iowa, she's not from Kentucky. Um, I am. I'm from this area. Um, uh, the next county down is where I'm from. And she's from southern, I guess it's southern Indiana just just south of Bloomington. Um, but we had always kind of said, like, we would love to settle in Owensboro. And then uh, went to Iowa, came to Terre Haute, did our thing in Terre Haute. Um, COVID kind of wrecked the church that I was at, along with some, some other things, and I was going to have to go part-time. Um, and Dr. Wife had you know, felt like it was getting closer and closer for her to, to lead the institution uh, that she works at or worked at. And so I'm throwing out resumes, looking for full-time work, and I actually have an interview with DCS, which is the Department of Children's Services. Um, and then Dr. Wife has an interview with the institution here in Owensboro that, that she's at. Spoiler alert, guess who got the job? Um uh, and so she she sends me this email like, hey, you know, this this school has an opening for for this position. And I said, oh, you should apply for that. And her response was, I did. This was me letting you know that I applied for it. Um, I don't know that either one of us really thought it would happen. It just seemed like the perfect storm would have to happen for this to to happen. Which is why I really, truly think it was a God thing that that brought us here. Um, and so I got offered the job at DCS uh, and I said, all right, I'm going to talk to my wife um, and then I'll call you tomorrow with a yes, because what what could possibly happen that I wouldn't take this job? I even told the elder board at my church, like, hey, uh, you know, you asked me to get a full time job. Actually, they asked me to get a part time job, but that wasn't going to be feasible financially. Uh, so you asked me to get another job. I got the job. It's way more hours than what you want, but it's not going to affect what I do here. And so they were like, good, good. And then I get home and Dr. Wife's like, uh, they called and they offered me the position. All right. Awesome. So I instantly start putting resumes out. We've got some time, right? Like we're not moving in two weeks. 
Um, we've got some time. She got the offer right after Easter, whatever month that is. Um, and so I go back and I tell the board and they're not real pleased. And they're like, well, you can't leave till after VBS because I'd fought to get VBS back from COVID. And then I was just going to up and leave um, <laughs> after I had already got everything set up for, for VBS. And so, um, you know, I'm applying like crazy. June of, of 2022, uh, our house sells pretty quickly. Uh, again, straight God thing. Um, pack everything up in a U-Haul, move Ashley or you know, move Dr. Wife down here. Um, and then me and the boys go back to Terre Haute to live in, um, a mother-in-law suite at our piano player's house. Uh, she graciously let us, uh, have the apartment that is attached to her house, um, which turned out great for me because Betty is a phenomenal cook. And so I would come home from different youth events or, you know, baseball games or whatever. We'd come home uh, and she would have a snack for the boys and dinner for me. And it was, it was glorious. She made these homemade strawberry popsicles, which if given the opportunity, I would tackle somebody for um, and then, so I'm still applying for jobs like crazy. I interview for probation and parole. And then I interview for, um, it's a part-time job, but it's a good way to get my foot in the door, um, for an after-school director position at the boys and girls club and then radio silence. Right. So I interview for both of those end of May, early June, and there's nothing, right. There's no hey, we don't like you. There's no, hey, you're awesome. There's just silence. So I move uh, July 4th, um, 2022. Uh, we move to Kentucky, me and the boys, and we're here, and I'm jobless, and that's very strange to me because I've had a job since I was 15 years old, and a lot of times I've had multiple jobs. Uh, so it's very weird for me to be a house husband, although Dr. Wife will tell you she loved it because dinner was ready when she got home from work uh, and all the laundry was done. And I actually put away clothes at that point. Um, and so then one day um, boys and girls club offers me the position. And right before I say yes, my phone rings uh, and it's my uh, district supervisor now, uh, Chip, who offers me the job. I don't even ask Ashley. I just say yes. Um, and I, I took the position. There were no churches that were that were open at the time. And so out of necessity for a job and thinking, surely working for probation and parole won't be stressful or as stressful as ministry. And I won't have to deal with, with a lot of stupid stuff. Like, I'll take that. It'll be an easy gig. Um, <laughs> I, I can assure you that it is just as stressful as ministry especially when you run it as a ministry. Um, uh, and it, I deal with a lot of stupidness. So um, I started that September 1st. I'm coming up on my my anniversary there. Um, graduated the academy in November and then have been a full-time um, SO officer since uh, Veterans Day of last year. So you're so, closing in on a year anniversary with that almost too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I know that balancing both roles, right? Ministry and, and as your your job in, in probation and parole, right, is challenging. Um, how do you manage the demands of each role while still prioritizing your personal relationship with God? Because I know I have some inside baseball that you see some stuff. And and we do see some stuff in ministry, but you're seeing some stuff. So how do you manage the demands of each role while still prioritizing your personal relationship with the Lord? Yeah. Um I don't do it on my own strength. I can I can assure you that because there are times that um, you know, I've either gotten home and just want to collapse and cry, or I've called you on the way home um to vent, but um, they asked me in my interview, um, since 
I believe the way it was put, since you're a man of the cloth, how is it that you're going to reconcile and be able to to deal with some of the things that we deal with? And my response was, well, you have to have a Genesis 1 viewpoint of somebody rather than a Genesis 3 viewpoint. And that went way over a couple of their heads. And so it's like, look, we were created in the image of God. And so we at least deserve love and respect based on that alone. Ah, the Imago Dei. That's right. Nothing that we do since the fall can replace the fact that that you, Chad, and and me, Andy, and my offender X, um, not Twitter, but, you know, just X as a person, um, were made in the image of Christ. And my offenders have have messed up and have done some stupid things. And uh, myself and you have messed up and done stupid things. And uh, if God can forgive us, then, you know, I, I think that I owe it to that person to to at least give them a semblance of respect, right? Because they, they are, in fact, a person made in the image of God. Um, and then they told me the type of caseload I was going to get. And I was like, is it a good time to tell you I lied? Uh, um, but yeah, so no, that viewpoint has, has helped a lot, especially, you know, you, we talked about in the last episode, um, the millstone and the depravity Mm -hmm. that we all have, right? Like my depravity makes me want to think the worst of these people. Um, but scripture, you know, you have to be grounded in the word. And so, you know, scripture tells us that, they were made in the image of Christ. So you've got to, you got to love them. You know, we're not, we're not called to, you know, Jesus didn't come for the righteous. He came for the, the unrighteous. And so if we're to, if our, our job as pastors and our, our job as believers really is to, to share the gospel, well, why are we going to withhold the gospel from certain people because of what they've done in the past? Because here's the deal what you've done before your relationship with Christ that gets washed away in Christ's eyes, right? Like you ask for forgiveness and it's thrown out. That's not held against you anymore. Now, obviously there are laws down here. It's still very much held against you, but it doesn't have to affect the way that I work with you to help you better as a person. And so I, you know, I have to ground myself in prayer and scripture um, and essentially, you know, just beg God, like, give me the strength today as I go in, right? Because I can't do this on my own. And I would say when I was pastoring and working with middle and high schoolers and when I was working with senior adults, when I would go in, I would beg, like, God, you've got to help me with this because how do I deal with it? How do I deal with this, you know, this congregation member whose husband of 50 years has passed away? Mm. How do, how do I deal with these two kids whose parents' marriage is falling apart in front of their face and I'm supposed to help the parents reconnect while helping the kids not lose faith in humanity and and fall to the wayside right I can't I can't do that on my own Andy Andy can't do that um because Andy's seen some stuff in his day. And I, you know, I'm no one special. There's, there's not a thing that Andy can tell you or do for you that is going to help that. But God and the Holy Spirit through me can do so much. So you just, you you have to surrender everything you do to Christ uh, and let him work through you through these different situations. Amen. So I, I think you've answered the next question I was going to ask you, which really was to, you know, address the challenges of helping individuals who've made mistakes and are, you know, seeking redemption while you're staying true to the principles of, you know, Christ's principles of love or the biblical principles of love, forgiveness, and accountability. Um, so I think you've done a, a well, pretty I, good job of taking a crack at that question before hearing well, it. Let me, let me tell you this story too. Um, I had a gentleman on my caseload. He's not on my caseload anymore. He moved out of my district. Um, and he sins sins aside, right? Like what he did aside, um, 
he had so many questions about everything. And I, I don't make it a point to tell people that I was a pastor or that I am a pastor, right? Like I tell them that I come from a religious background um, and I'm not. So the spill I give everybody is, look, I'm, I've not done this long. This isn't what I went to school for. Really, if you had asked me when I was a kid, this isn't the job that I thought I'd have. My job isn't to send you back to prison. My job is to help you succeed and reintegrate into society. I said, I rely on my faith uh, quite a bit, um, although I'll never push it on you. But I just want you to know, like, if you want to know how I can do what I do, the way I can do it, it is it is strictly my faith that gets me through it. And so I'm going to I can be your biggest cheerleader or I can be your biggest adversary, depending on how you act, what you do and how you you know respond to the things that I ask you to do. Um, and so I had one guy that kind of read between the lines on that. And I had my ordination certificates hanging in my office. I don't hide it. But, you know, working for the state, you can't really like, hey, I'm a pastor. You want to talk about Jesus? That sounds like Christian nationalism. It, it sure does. And let's be honest, I'm here for that. But um, the state frowns on it. So I don't do that. But I do have more nation certificates um, hanging in my office. And this gentleman saw it and started asking questions. And look, if you open the door, son, I'm going to run through it. Um, and so he starts talking about how he wants forgiveness and he is he's terribly sorry for what he did, but he doesn't think he deserves forgiveness. And I said, well, <laughs> the human side of me says you don't. Um, but it's a good thing it's not my call. I said, this is what scripture says, man. Um you know, if you believe with your whole heart and you're, you know, willing to make that change and you could see this man change uh, in the short time that I'd, I'd met him and known him. Um, and so finally, one day he comes into my office it's about our, our 10th meeting. Right. Um, and he just asked, like, you know, how how does one get baptized? And I said, well, typically you go into some water and people hold you down until the bubbles stop. Um, and he kind of looked at me terrified and I was like, I'm just playing like, you, you know, a church will take you into the water and then they'll dunk you, you know, based on your beliefs and, and all the, you know, gave him the talk. And he said, well, when I get out of here, I'd like to do that because I'd like to be saved. And I said, well, the baptism itself doesn't save you. I said, that is a, a true repentance. And if, if you're willing to truly be repentant and, and make that step to follow Christ that that's what saves you and he said well I think I'm I'm ready to do that and I said well don't think you either you are or you're not so you know that's something you need to think about he said no no Mr. Crow I'm definitely ready um and he said can you help me with that and then my heart sank because then you're at this point where like Am I an officer or am I a pastor? And then, you know, my convictions you're are like, well, you're always, you're always a, a Christian and a pastor first. You're a Christian. Um, so, it has nothing to do with those other two roles, man. You're a Christian. So I sat in my office and and we talked it out and I made sure that he was coming from the right spot. And I, we prayed in my office and he accepted Christ right then. Amen. Um, which is one of the coolest things I've done in this position. Um. And so, and he's, he's left this district and I reckon is doing fine where he's at. I don't, you know, I don't keep up with them after they leave me, but that was, that was a neat little snippet of, of how the, my faith plays into my job and how it affects those that I'm around. Amen. That's a good story. I remember, I remember when you shared that with me, that's a good story. I, I kind of needed that reminder today. But Andy, in today's world and culture, right, the criminal justice system is uh, oftentimes criticized for its punitive nature. And as you being having a role in the criminal justice system, how do you how do you strive to bring about a restorative justice that demonstrates God's love and mercy in your work? Yeah, so again, I, I tell people like, uh, because you know, when, when you're on when you're on parole, let's face it, like you have strict guidelines that you have to follow, uh, and if you don't follow those guidelines, 
guess where you go <laughs> right back where you came from i mean and those guidelines are like you know i knowing some people have gone through this i didn't realize like it's you know to the point of like you're told who you can associate with you know oh absolutely you like it's what it, you it states clearly almost. it states clearly like you're to have no contact with people who have done x y and z Right. Um, in the state of Kentucky, it is legal to drink. Well, in the United States, it's legal to drink at 21. Right. But in the state of Kentucky, if you're on probation and parole, you are not allowed to drink. Um, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but it's just, you know, again, a restrictive lifestyle that you have to have and maintain. And so um, I tell people like, I, it is my goal because I'm not successful if you're not successful, right? If I have uh, a high revocation rate, so, you know, if I revoke 85 to 90% of my clients, I'm probably not doing a great job, right? And so, I, you know, I tell my clients, like, it's my goal that you're successful and can reintegrate into society um, and, and be a successful productive human being like you're always going to have a stigma depending on what you've done um but you can still be productive and so in my job there's a a thin line where we play both law enforcement and social worker right sure well it just so happens i went to school for social work um so do what i just called you a liberal come at me bro um, you may be the only person to have ever called me that. <laughs> Dr. Wife just rolled over and she's not even listening. Um, and so like, and, and I, I make it pretty abundant to people. Like if you need help, if you need resources, I don't know what I don't know. Right. So you've got to, you got to be willing to ask. And there's a relationship that's built between the, the offender and the, the officer. And depending on how you want to, you know, there are some officers that the relationship they have is pretty bad because they just think they're scum of the earth. And then there are others that they're a little too chummy. And it's it's trying to find that happy medium. And I that's that's my goal. And that's my my prayer is I find that happy medium that I can help you reintegrate into society and be successful. So in you know, one to 60 years depending on who you are um you are and you don't have to see me anymore that when you see me in walmart you're not you're not like oh there's that jerk right that you're just like oh that guy helped right and you are you know you're working and are a productive member of society and i think i got off the rails on on that but i hope that answered your question Yeah, no, I th- I think you do. I, I I think it does cover it. So I gotta ask you this. So what biblical principles or or what passages of scripture do you find that are particularly relevant and empowering for your work, both in ministry? So what's a you know, we'll do the pastoral one. What's your life verse in ministry? And and what what biblical principles are pa- and I think you've covered some biblical principles already, but what specific passages or principles uh, from scripture help you in your work as a probation officer as well. So what, what how, so which gonna, ones? I've got one answer for both. All right. I like it. Um, short, short and simple. Um, it was my grandmother's favorite verse and I never understood how powerful this verse was until I was in crisis and read it. And it's in the book of Psalms. And it just says simply be still and know that I'm God. So mm. there'll be mm. there'll be times. Oh yeah, there'll be times in my office that like it's pure chaos. I have somebody running off that is where he wasn't supposed to be, and I have another guy who's here who you know has done some some things that he knows that he's about to get busted on, and then you know my kids are freaking out at school because they don't feel good, um, and then doctor wife is stressed, and then so I'm getting pulled nine different ways. And uh, oh, you know, we've got church tonight because it's Wednesday night kids program and Wednesday night Bible study. Um, and then I've got to get things prepped for 
for our show, um, which for those of you who, you know, who listen, you're like, what prep work does he do? Um, but I do some, not a lot, but I do some. Um, and so you just, you know, everything is going 900 miles an hour in 16 directions. And you're trying to, you're just waiting for something to crash. It's like watching a figure eight race. Right. And so then you just, you have to take a step back and breathe and just be still because no matter what is going on in your life, right at that moment, whatever crisis you're in, you know, who hasn't changed God, he's still sitting on the throne. He's still king over everything. Amen. So take a step back, breathe and realize whatever is going on in this moment doesn't change the fact that Jesus reigns. And it's Amen. just, it's a very, a very calming verse. And again, that was my grandmother's favorite verse. I have it um, on numerous quilts that she had made for us and for herself. Um, it was on my ordination. Um, I'm going to call it a bulletin because I don't know what else to call it. Good Baptist and boy. Then, and that's right. And then at work, um, I have this little rock that a, a co-worker of mine who is now retired. Um, we were talking scripture one time when we were driving around town. I told him that was my favorite verse and and how it helps me through things. And then he saw it like eight different times within the next two weeks. And he was at a store and it was on this little rock. It was painted on there. And he bought it for me. And so now it sits on my desk. And so when I get overwhelmed at work, it's right there for me to, to remember. So yeah, that, that is my, my life verse. That is what gets me through chaos and crises. Um, so yeah, there, there it is all in one short and sweet answer. Well, that verse, right. Psalm 46, 10, um, you know i've had some me i just i just said it in case anybody wants to know it to look it up but psalm 46 10 that verse um definitely has brought in a in a world where the last few years of my life have had a little bit of chaos to them um that was a very very important verse to me as well over the last few years and definitely brought me some peace and calming well andy it's been great for the folks to get to know you I'm going to give you the last word, although I, I think that you just you just preached a little to that last one. So I think that was a good that was a good I, word tonight, I got, brother. I got preachy on this podcast. No, it does a good word. Not me. Um, well, so I just want to leave you with <clears throat> being able to reiterate what uh, what Chadwick so eloquently said uh, at the beginning. And we can't we can't thank you enough for inviting us into your cars, your your offices, your home, wherever it is you listen to this tire fire of a podcast. Uh, and so we, we thank you for, for being with us over this past year. And, and our hope and prayer is that we keep this, this fire going. We'll just keep throwing tires on and we'll see how, how well these flames can stoke. Um, so yeah, this is, this has been an incredible year, been a lot of fun. Uh, and, and thanks really, because not only, I mean, we, we have been close for, for a hot minute. Uh, and and part of us, I think got a little nervous when, when Chad moved back to Colorado. Um, and then really when I moved to Kentucky, because then our, our common ground is gone, um, that there was a possibility that we would fall out of, out of contact as much, maybe still, you know, we'd still be close, but not talk near as much. But um, I think because of this and, and just because I need a sounding board and you need a uh, consultant for a bunch of different things. Um, we talk, if there are seven, there are seven days in a week and I bet we talk four to five of those seven days. Um, and realistically, this podcast is just our conversations recorded. We are the same people on this podcast that we are in public. And so if you're thinking you're getting, you know, a show version of us and that we're different people, once the uh, recording stops, I can assure you that I am just as big of an idiot off the show as I am on. And Chad is still old. So there's, (laughs) there's definitely that. 
you know, in the last week I was called a young Doug Wilson. So I don't know. I'm going to take that. Well, isn't Doug Wilson 200 years old? I believe he's in his 70s. Yeah, early 70s. So a, so a young Doug is still an old person, according to my kids. Uh, and I, and I, I will remind you, sir, that our common ground was not the hope. It is Jesus Christ. Look, I got nothing. I got nothing. Well, that I'm going to remind you to check out the great blacksmith merchandise at St. Galgano Armory, Etsy.com slash shop slash St. Galgano Armory. Check them out on Twitter and Instagram at St. Galgano. You can check us out on X. That just sounds so wrong now. Or I feel like that's the site that we don't want people to go right. to. Go to the X site. No, check don't us, go to the X site. Check us out on the 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 site formerly known as Twitter um, at Hill Hipster Pod, or you can email us hillhipsterpod at gmail.com. As uh, a wise man I know once said, check us out on the Gmail. And don't forget, if you can tweet us, Use the hashtag TireFire and tell us how you began listening to us. And we're going to take two of those and we're going to send you one of these lovely Hillbilly and the Hipster t-shirts that Andy is wearing right now. I was about to say, I know you can't see us, but I'm rocking one of those shirts today. And I'm going to tell you this. I I got a chance. uh, My last word is going to be this. Last night I saw The Essential Church, the documentary film about... uh, Grace Community Church, John MacArthur's church in California, and their their legal battle with the state of California over opening up after COVID. Um, it's excellent. It's really well done. I know it's not a wide release, but if you have the opportunity to go see it wherever you live, I would suggest um, going to see it. I, I think it's it's really poignant and, it, you know, it, it, it's even emotional at times. Um, but go see the Essential Church and... I'll tell you this, believe in Jesus, God's son who died for our sins, rose again, offering salvation to all who trust in him. And remember, folks, that Christ is Lord and he is with you and he is for you. Amen. And if he's for you, what what can be against you? Amen. Well, y'all be blessed. See you guys. Where's the record button to stop it? (laughs) 